Hi, connectors. Thank you for connecting, tuning in to another episode of Connected the Podcast. I bet by now you're wondering, do I have a schedule? No, connectors, I do not. Because just like life, life is crazy. This podcast, I hope it's not crazy. It's very sporadic. Um, I've been between Baton Rouge and New Orleans these past few weeks, and I have been meeting dope people. Um, So one of the dope people that I met, Alex McConduit, I met him in undergrad at Loyola. I didn't connect with him then, but I connected with him um, a few days ago and it was so awesome. You will enjoy this children's book author. He's just an awesome person, just full of wisdom, full of traveling experience. Artists, I want to connect with you. I travel. And as a matter of fact, I will be in Indiana December 13th, and I'll be there for a couple of months. So artists in Indy, wherever you are in Indiana, I travel. Let's connect. Well, no more talking for me. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, do what you do, whatever you do, while listening to a podcast, and let's get connected. All right, connectors, I am sitting here with Alex McConduit in his workspace. Hi, Alex. Hola. Hola. Where are you from? New Orleans, Louisiana. La Usa. La Usa? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) See, right? I don't know any any Spanish. Um, Why do you know so much Spanish? I just came back from Colombia for a month, and I had to learn how to talk to people. Uh Uh-huh. It was a, a amazing experience, and now I just want to practice my Spanish more. So I All use right. it a lot. Tell me something good. Eh, bueno. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Bueno. Um, so we are here, connectors, um, connecting with Alex McConduit. I know Alex from Loyola University. Shout out here in New Orleans. Oh. Yeah, Wolfpack, go Wolfpack. Um, I didn't really know Alex then. But as you know, I um, am always surrounded by the dopest artists ever. And I'm on Facebook, and I see Alex is now a published author. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty awesome. A children's <laughs> book author. So let me just give you just a quick rundown, Connectors, who I am sitting with. He is an a writer, entrepreneur, a New Orleans native, and founder of Big Book, uh, that's, I was going to say Big Foot, of Big Boot Books, and he published his first book in 2010, The Little Who Dat Who Didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one that um, made me keep going. Really? Mm-hmm. How so? Well, I had never, I mean, never wanted to be a writer, never wanted to write children's books, and uh, I just... The idea one day just popped into my head, the words, little who, dat, who didn't. Mm-hmm. And I instantly recognized that it was a title of a children's book about a kid who was the only who, dat, who didn't cheer for the Saints when he went to the Super Bowl. Oh. And this was before they, this was the year that they actually were going to win the Super Bowl, but they mm-hmm. hadn't won it yet. And so 
with that one. <clears throat> I didn't. I I thought you were gonna say the little who that who didn't because you know, oh, Saints, what are you doing? What are you doing? Please get it together. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah you're right. But right. that's how he was because you know the Saints used to lose. Right. I mean, the Saints were a horrible team. Right. And so uh, that's kind of like the whole sentiment of the book, and I think why people respond to it because it's just the way we act in New Orleans. Like if the Saints could win ten games in a row, and as mm-hmm. soon as they lose, oh, uh, yeah, what's, yeah. what are they doing? So uh, I wrote that book. It did very well. And uh, I felt appreciated for it. And so that's why that's the main reason that I can money and Mm -hmm. appreciation and Mm -hmm. made me keep going and write more books. So what was it that inspired you to become a a writer, an author? Um, I mean, like I said, it wasn't really it was like, I guess the true inspiration was one, having the great idea just pop into my mind. I was just not doing anything at all related to trying to figure out a children's mm-hmm. book idea. Mm-hmm. I was putting up Christmas decorations with my mom. and uh, Ding. But once it popped into my head, I'm a super idea person. So, like, if you look at my notes in my phone, it's just, like, I got, I don't know, maybe a thousand notes. Every idea that I get that I consider a good idea, mm-hmm. I write it down just to, like, get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. And then, like, hopefully I'll go back and... Wow. Yeah, he's showing me his yeah, his notes and two hundred and thirty six, eighty six. He's like, you know a bunch. Yeah. And uh, so I I just take ideas very seriously. Like you might be the only person that ever comes up with that idea, so you at least need to like write it down, right? And get it into the world. That's no, that's true. Um, because just like with Amps Connected, it didn't really become a thing until I wrote it. Oh, you have to. You need to write it and say it and because that makes it real. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody say like, uh, you know when they say cast a spell mm-hmm. or when you talk about uh, writing words, you have to spell them. Spelling, mm-hmm. spelling ah. each letter. And so when you say it and when you, when you write it, that's mm-hmm. one thing. <clears throat> when you say it, that's another thing because it's adding like vibe, like you're creating it. Like yeah. you're changing things by right, just speaking. Right. And so I wrote it down the whole story came to my mind. Um, I have to shout out uh, my girlfriend at the time. She pushed me for like months. When are you going to do the book? When are you going to do the book? And I was like, you're aggravating me. So, right. But then I finally did it and it literally good, changed good my job, life. Good job, girl. You were oh, doing I your thing. I think they're in the book. Yeah. She and her son, they're in the uh, dedications. Okay. Because yeah. I would have never did it. That was nice of you. But um, someone actually just told me, too, about speaking. And don't just speak in the future because it's always going to be happening. Oh, yeah, no. That to speak that, oh, yes, the little who that who did because he did, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's important. It's important to, I mean, one, just for yourself, like just to convince yourself and keep your energy up and everything like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, speaking it, writing it down, but more importantly, like the one thing that sells the world on the fact that you want to actually do something is by attempting to do it. And just doing it. Once you start doing it, mm-hmm. it's like, this is the thing that you want to do. Y'all can't see this, but imagine on one end of the world is yeah. the thing you want. Mm-hmm. And on the other end is you. And as soon as you start doing it, you're right. walking toward it. And as soon as you start walking toward it, it automatically it's pulls itself towards you. How amazing, right? It's just how it goes. I, I fully believe that nobody could convince me otherwise. Maybe, uh, mm-hmm. what's his name? Uh, Einstein. Einstein. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm really excited to be sitting here with you. I haven't seen you since Loyola. So take me back. Um, let the connectors, how, you, how y'all doing, um, connect with us. Um, 
connect with about Wendy Williams. How you doing? How you doing? Sorry, How you doing? Yeah. Um, connect with us. Let us know just about you, where you came from. You're from New Orleans. Do you have any siblings? From New Orleans, uh, just one sister, Arielle, who has birthed two favorite people in the world, my niece, Sage and Jay. So that's probably like the priority Aww. in my life is just like trying to uh, turn these people into like, first of all, just like decent human beings mm-hmm. and then like super productive super great super nice super balanced just yeah perfect you know perfect not perfect children. but like good good members of society but more you know? right uh but born and raised here went to uh st leo st aug loyola uno for one semester to get my master's but i stopped um at loyola my master's was i mean my major was marketing with a concentration in music industry studies Mm -hmm. so when i was in college i thought i was going to be in the music industry Mm -hmm. i managed a rapper at one point a producer at one point at loyola i did an online radio show and produced like four or five other uh hip-hop type r&b type urban radio shows so at that point i thought i was going to be doing online radio my senior year i was like i don't have to worry about nothing i'm Mm -hmm. just I'm just going to, you know, graduate, start my own online radio station, and... That's it. But uh, it didn't work out like that. That's all right. And then I started promoting concerts, made some money, lost some money, and then eventually I ended up getting a job at uh, Harris Casino doing social media marketing, Mm -hmm. which was cool. I did that for two years, and then I wrote my first book, which was in, what, 2000? Mm-hmm. And from there, I've been... 2000 or 2010? That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah, 2000, I was, I was like, like seven whoa. years old. It's yeah. like, wow. Uh, but, the, but seven years old isn't too young because you are not. also the founder of... Uh, right. Right. Yeah, it's a youth publishing program. It's an acronym that stands for Write, Read, and Illustrate to Educate. And it's funny that you mentioned it just now because in my first book... In the dedication area, there's this part that says 100 children, 100 kids, 100 kids, something like that. But my idea was like, man, because when I wrote my first book and when I got it and when I got on the news and in the newspaper and the magazines, like I just really felt super appreciated. Like people mm-hmm. really like, a, like if I made a mixtape, nobody yeah. appreciates it. If I make an album, I mean, if I make a book, that's just as a young black man, everybody got a mixtape. But if I have a book, it right. just people really appreciated it. And um, I was just like, man, if I could help 100 kids every year write their own book, publish their own book, and feel how I feel right now, it'll just, like, ignite that passion or ignite that uh, urge to, like, accomplish things. Mm -hmm. And so in my first book, it says 100 kids. But I changed it to write, which is an acronym for write, read, and illustrate to educate. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've probably done it like three times, all in different capacities. One with a summer program, one at a school, Mm -hmm. which was crazy. And one uh, twice individually, just no, once with just one student. Mm -hmm. And so recently, I just helped a five-year-old girl, Anna Barecki. She just did her first book called Seasons. And uh, super smart kid. Wow. It's just nice. To see them and work with them, kids, mm-hmm. and you see, uh, like when their brain starts ticking, yeah, or when you tell them something and you know that it connected with them, yeah, that's my favorite thing about like when I go to schools and working with kids who are writers and stuff like that. Oh, that's super sweet. So, okay, taking it back, mm-hmm. you're from New Orleans. You have a sister with two beautiful children. Yeah. Um, 
Do you have any kids? I don't. Okay. I, I don't know why I asked that. Not no niños. No niños. Si. Because I know that you like to travel too, right? See. Si, Where have you been? Take us. Uh, Well, through a lot of the states. I do like an East Coast trip every year where I do like New York, uh, Philly. Last year I was in Baltimore. And uh, so I try to do that once a year. I didn't do that Baltimore. this year. Yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. You know, because I know somebody from Baltimore, and he doesn't say Baltimore. Oh, or Baltimore. Probably not. Baltimore. Bal- yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore. Probably yeah, has that eastern. Yeah, that's so northeast. weird. Northeast. Um, so, yeah. So, but, so I've been to Mexico. I've been to Costa Rica. Canada. Oh, I don't say it like that. I know. Can- um, but most recently, I went to Colombia, all over the country. Medellin, Santa Marta, Cartagena. It was just... Beautiful place. I highly recommend people go. Take your families. Super cheap. It's just nice. It's beautiful, modern, safe, clean, mm-hmm. nice people. Uh, and I'm actually going to Belize this week. Just, oh, yeah, just nice. to go check it out and go do some snorkeling, maybe some scuba, see some Mayan stuff. Nice. Visit some schools with my books. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, now traveling. I, I went to Costa Rica a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I just forgot, like, how it like reignites you and like right. makes you feel so alive and rejuvenated. Rejuvenated, uh. right? I mean, just to take a break away from like thinking about like my books and like what I'm gonna do with business and it's this life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a. I don't like to use this word, but I mean, yeah, it is. It's a great opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, now I'm just gonna try to incorporate travel into my life, like. Whatever way I can, mm-hmm. whether it's involving business or just making sure I have time every year, mm-hmm. because it just you can't. What I realized on my last trip was that you can't you can't care about the environment mm-hmm. and the earth and nature if you don't really know it, if you haven't experienced exactly. it. And so it's like a person like I can't care about you if I don't. I mean, I can, but I can't really care about you if I don't know you. Right. And so, like the earth, if you haven't seen, you know, coral reefs and like clear blue water and these beautiful fish and hundreds and thousands of fish and it's only the a mountains. right you have you just don't appreciate it. you don't mm-hmm. care and so you don't take that extra time to you know recycle or you know pay a little more for something that's not going to hurt the environment because you mm-hmm. don't know it you don't know her you don't love her right you know and so i got the opportunity to see a lot more of her the earth gaia and you know it made me when I came back to try to be a lot more conscious of my footprint. Mm-hmm. So you are bringing your books um, with you to these different countries. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that um, you go to different schools mm-hmm. while you're there. Yeah. I've only written a book. I've only been an author since I visited Columbia. So I went out to Columbia. I brought some books out there. I met this really cool kid up in the Sierra Nevadas in this town called Machete. And he came with us. We did a four-day hike. He came with us. And so on the hike, I just came up with this idea about this little kid who spends half his time in a jungle. Like mm-hmm. half of his life is in a jungle and half of his life is in the city. And so, I mean, me going there, showing him my other books, talking to him and stuff. And then it came up with a whole new book idea that's actually like really cool. And so now I'm going to write this story where this kid is the main character and I'm going to send a bunch of books to his village. Aww. He's going to be a super... He's going to be the man. He's oh, going to be the man in his that's time. That's sweet. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to doing that. 
And uh, it's just nice. I mean, it's more for me than it is for them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, I think it's cool for them to meet an author and see, like, that an author is just not, like, some old white guy with some big glasses sitting with a feather pen, like mm-hmm. Shakespeare, you know. And yeah. nothing wrong with that. That is how some authors look. Mm-hmm. But you could be, a, like, I walked into this classroom and this kid said, you're the author? You, you just look <laughs> like a dude to me. And I was like, exactly, yeah. I'm a dude. That's it. So if right. you want to write a book, just go write a book. And then you can go be a doctor after that or a basketball do player. Whatever do whatever you want to do. Do whatever and do everything. Mm-hmm. Every Do it all. You're only going to be here one time. So, yeah, only only Colombia. Yeah. But soon to be Belize and Mexico. Cool. No, I actually went to career day, I think it was back in October, um, at this little elementary school and I was introduced as a singing attorney. And the kids were like, what? What are you? Even the teachers, they're like, what is that? I was like, well, I sing. I'm a singer. And I'm not an attorney yet, but soon to be. And they're like, wow. And so just talking to the kids, um, I asked, so what do you want to be? You can be whatever you want to be. And one kid was like, I want to be a fireman and an astronaut. I was like, you know Perfect. what? That is awesome. That is super you awesome. can be that. You're going to be in school, and that's a lot of hours. You, <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. But you know what? They're going to need them because now they're blowing stuff up mm. in space. So we're going to need to put the fire off. <laughs> true. That is very true. And gravity. I think he wanted to be a doctor, so Mine he could also. Lives. You know what? Yeah, kids are awesome. Um, and I was going to ask about your inspiration, but clearly you just draw from the things around you. Uh, man, you know what? Emily Dickinson wrote this poem called Dwell in Possibility. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I get, yeah, I do get, I get inspiration. You know, it's one of the worst things about how I get a lot of my inspiration is mm-hmm. sad. I, and I don't know how no to judgments, do about it. No judgments, connectors, no judging. I don't no know what judging. to do about it, but mm-hmm. it's, uh. Like how I'm talking to you right now, mm-hmm. you will say something, mm-hmm. and I'll think that you said something else. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I thought you said mm-hmm. will be a great idea in my mind. Like I, it'll make me like I like. Let's just say sliced bread wasn't a thing yet. Okay, and you'll be like, yeah, you know, this book is something I twice read, and I'll be like, sliced bread uh-huh. in my mind, and I'm like, did you just say sliced bread? And you'll be like, no, and I'm like, damn, do I need to give you credit? Because I just came up with sliced bread. All That's of my amazing. thoughts are now copyrighted. So yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just side note: technically, uh-huh. they should be because your brain is a fixed medium, so it should be copyrighted legally. But it's not out there. But it's a fixed medium. It's in your brain. Maybe it's not fixed. It's, it's maybe it's no, not. Fixed. It's just a thought. It's just. No, it's not fixed. But if you save it in a computer, anyway. Then if you, then if you put but it on a computer. But that's a computer. Yeah. But then the computer, you can, I know, we've got yeah. off topic, but it's okay. <laughs> um, you can print it out, okay. and then it's on a fixed medium. But um, what was I saying? I forgot. We were just talking about different thoughts and how you come up with amazing oh, ideas oh, oh. by being inspired by people. But, yeah, so I, I get inspiration like that a lot, like where I think somebody said something or mm-hmm. meant and they didn't. And I, it's a great idea, it, but I thought they said it, but they didn't say it, but I got mm-hmm. the idea from them. So do I owe them credit? I'll go through that a lot. Uh-huh. And then also... Hey, so basically, y'all, he's saying you need to enunciate... <laughs> <laughs> when you're near me. When you're near him. Um, but then the other thing I do when I want to, like when I drive a lot, so I stop listening to... Uh, recently, I started listening to it again, but like music with words, mm. I stopped listening to it 
And so like when I'm in a car, I'm just riding with nothing on. Mm-hmm. And Emily Dickinson wrote a poem called Dwell in Possibility. And it's about basically like the place where she resides is a place of possibility. Mm-hmm. And so she describes this house with like an endless sky and like these these big it's just the way she describes the house is like the place where she lives, where she comes up with her with her stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do a, a similar thing when I'm driving because my brain ticks when I drive. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of let the ideas like filter in my mind until yeah. I kind of get something. But I don't really, I don't try to like force it to be a thing. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's the only other way I get inspired is like trying to open myself up to inspiration. Yeah. While driving. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because um, a lot of times we just have so much coming in. Music, the traffic is already loud. Music is blasting. People are talking. And sometimes you don't have a quiet enough space to just think. And most time when you are thinking and just meditating on your thoughts, like a lot can be birthed. They say you... Like, how can you have anything good come in mm-hmm. when you're already filled up? Mm-hmm. You're full. I mean, you have Drake playing. You're thinking about the bombings that happen. Right. You got bills you got to pay, mm-hmm. stuff that you have to do. You might be with people. Right. You don't have any room to let anything in. Mm-hmm. So if you don't empty yourself or to dispel or get rid of some of that uh, noise mm-hmm. within you, then you won't have room to get anything in from the universe or God or whatever you want to look at it as. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe in traveling um, and going out and being in nature is so important because when you're like hiking in the mountains, it's just clean air, the trees, the birds, and it's just freshness. I yes. Can't wait. I'm gonna be there Saturday, so oh. I can't wait. Thank you so can much. Can I just for go with me. you? That's you definitely. I, can. When I was just thinking about it, I felt this release. Like I, I felt my body yeah, just. I did too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it sucks because man, at this moment, I can only visit in my mind, which mm. should be enough, but mm. it's not. So, like, being back home, being back in New Orleans, I've been home for the past six months, and a lot has happened, but as a traveled person and an author, how do you stay focused? Um, man, that's a horrible question right now, because mm-hmm. I'm not focused. Oh, no! But, uh, I don't force it, like, I'm not focused right now, mm-hmm. so I'm chilling, you know? I'm, I'm... When I get little bits of focus or inspiration, mm-hmm. I write them down. I, I do their, ju- you know, give it, do it justice. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't force myself to be focused mm-hmm. unless I'm really like when I have something that I have to do, I just do it. I just don't give myself any excuses. But if I'm not under like anybody else's deadlines, then I, I, I don't. I just do it. I work when I can, when I feel like it. I wake up really early, mm-hmm. so I do a lot of my work in the morning time where there's no distractions. So it's really easy for me to not be my um, focus to not get out of whack. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just I don't force it ever. They said I think what was it? Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Mm-hmm. You're full of quotes. Ralph Emerson. Yeah. That's his name. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Waldo. Waldo. Is that his name? Yeah. Where's Waldo? <laughs> Gee, is that about him? No. It might be. So. We should look it up. We should. Anyway, he was just like, when he writes, I think it was him, one of those great writers. Uh-huh. 
He only writes when the magic is. You have a you write you're a songwriter. All right, you write songs. No, I only sing. You only sing? Yeah, oh. I wrote my. Well, I did write one song, um, and it's so simple. Just well, but even like writing a paper or mm. something. When you're in your flow, you're like, oh, know exactly what I'm gonna say. I know what I'm gonna end it with. I just mm-hmm. you just got it. Right. And so when I'm writing like that, and the ideas are just come. Oh, he's gonna be wearing a green shirt. Perfect. That makes perfect. Like everything is flowing. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, all writers, it starts to stop flowing, and you feel it. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that flow, mm-hmm. what I do is I try to force it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if I don't catch the flow again, I stop, put mm-hmm. it down, and I don't pick it back up until I oh. And I, and that's what I do. I never, I don't work or <laughs> write. But that makes sense because then it becomes it. unnatural. Yeah, and, and you people don't do it. can see it, see the unnaturalness. Yeah, and you just don't feel like it. I mean, the whole point of writing is like, it's like getting to know yourself and mm-hmm. and figuring things out and making them work and putting it in a way that hopefully people can relate to. But if it's true, if you're writing from a place of truth, if you're writing mm-hmm. from a place where you feel that magic. Then it is truth, mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, real truth is not about like if this person can prove it or not. It's every if it's true, then people all automatically respond to it. Mm-hmm. Automatically can't help it if right. it's truth. Right, you feel it. You right. Know? <laughs> uh, so with your books, um, how did you like focusing on your books? Um, could you see the book from start to finish? Um, and I know that you would have some roadblocks here and there, but like generally, do you go into writing or do you just start day one? I'm going to write about a little boy who didn't believe. And then as you're writing, the book comes to you? I So I've only written children's books in entirety. I haven't written a novel. I have novel ideas. I've started working on some novels, but my writing career consists of children's books. And so when I go into it, it's different if you're a different writer, probably, mm-hmm. maybe. But I already know how it's going to go, like, from beginning to end. I don't even, I'll write down an idea without knowing. You know what? I actually don't feel like it's a great idea until I have it full circle worked out in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was telling you, I have the book about the kid who spends half his life in the jungle and half mm-hmm. his life at uh, in the, <laughs> the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and so when I thought about that, I'm like, oh, perfect. And then I was like, okay, so the things, his experiences in the jungle are going to help him out in the city. And his mm. experiences in the city are going to help him out in the jungle. And mm-hmm. I'm like, perfect. All right. That's all worked out. And so like to actually write that story, I wouldn't write it until I figured out, you know, how is it going to end? Mm-hmm. I already know where I'm starting from. Because once I figure out how it's going to end, then it's nothing but bringing those two points together. Mm. So I usually have the story worked out in my mind. And that's the fun part is now, how do I figure out this puzzle to write it in a way that brings me to my ending Mm -hmm. and incorporates all of the different things that I want to incorporate. I always try to incorporate something a little different with like each book that I do. Mm. So yeah, I usually know how it's going to go. That's cool. Uh, so you are working on another book now. Always, yeah. I got a million. You have like a million notes, yeah. right? Yeah. So, what is a normal, typical day for you? So I'll give you two days. One day is a day like right now where I'm not like pressed to do anything, mm-hmm. and another day is like when I'm trying to get stuff done. So when mm-hmm. I'm trying to get stuff done, I wake up early. I go to sleep at eight o'clock, nine o'clock every day, just straight up. Like 
tired. Isn't that crazy? To people. I do too. I'm, look, y'all, I got to go to bed. Not to I'm me. sorry. Yeah. Oh. But I also wake up at like four o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. getting stuff done. I'm sorry. I'm tired. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't live on a, like, because I don't work a regular job, I don't live on a schedule where I got to be up at nine. So if I wake mm-hmm. up at two and I feel good, I'll stay up and just do stuff. And then if I go to sleep at, you know, 12, that's noon, uh, that's okay because I don't have anything that I have to do. Right. But if I'm trying to get stuff done, I'll wake up early, work a little bit at my house, work, 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 work. Sun comes up, maybe I'll cook some breakfast, eat something, try to do some more work. But eventually I get like stale sitting in my house. So then I'll go to a coffee shop. Work, 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 go take a little walk. Work, 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 go take a little walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by that point, it's like 12 o'clock, 12, 1 o'clock. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. Maybe if I really got something to do, I can take another little walk and come mm-hmm. back and finish. Um, but usually by that point, I've done enough. Like, mm-hmm. that's like eight hours. Right. Like, I tell people all the time, I'm done at noon, but I've been working like six, eight all hours today. Right, right. And then by that point, it's like I'm probably getting called by my mom or my grandmother or my sister to go do something. You know, that's being back home, that's so interesting. Or like, <laughs> I say interesting, meaning frustrating, because it's like you have to balance yourself as a person who's working from home. They know that you work from home. Mm-hmm. But you're available. You're available, but not really. But they all of a sudden have things that they just need for you to do. How do you balance that? And when they have access to you too, Uh, I you know what? This is the thing about everything. I don't stress over nothing. Mm -hmm. I don't strain to balance it. I just you know like if I'm doing something, I usually put them first, straight Mm -hmm. up. It's more my family is more important to me. Like making money and being success, making money, being successful. And uh, that's all just a, a thing I want to do for like my family and the people I love, really. It's just mm-hmm. to give them a certain lifestyle. And also, I don't want to work. Mm-hmm. And so I want to mm-hmm. be lazy and chill. So okay. I want a lot of money. Right. But uh, I always, my family, my family comes first. If I mean, my niece and my nephew, I'll drop anything at the drop of a dime, whatever they need. My mama, my grandmother's in a wheelchair. You know, she had a stroke after Katrina. So I, I just do whatever she needs. Might give her a hard time sometimes because she gives everybody a hard time. <laughs> and my mom, uh, she just, I mean, gave me everything that I, you know, my mom's just a little angel. So if they need something, I'm just going to go do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't struggle to balance it. I do what I got to do. And, they, and because I always, because I always put them first and do what they ask, if they ask me to do something and I tell them I need to do something, it's, they understand. They mm-hmm. understand. They know right. that. You know, I would do it if I could. Right. And so I don't have to struggle with the balance because it's just natural. It's just. It's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, for real. Like, and if I don't feel like doing it, uh-huh. I mean, I can't lie. Sometimes I'll say I'm doing something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's a little white lie. I shouldn't right. do that. I, I should just be nobody. honest. Right. But that's how I balance it. I mean, most of the times I do it. If I don't feel like it, I don't. But if it's necessary, I do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you said you're from here, mm-hmm. um, and so of course you experienced Katrina. Yeah. Um, were you at Loyola then? Yep. So going so Katrina happened our fir- uh, first day of our sophomore year, my sophomore year, mm-hmm. and uh, so we left right before Katrina hit, like a day before it hit, two days before it hit, and went to Atlanta. Stayed in Atlanta for about a month. Then I came back and started gutting houses and working and doing stuff like that 
Then school opened back up and started going to school, and it was just, yeah. So my sophomore, junior, and senior year were all, like, colored by Katrina. I couldn't focus. I was, I literally was, like, I was going crazy a little bit. Yeah, if you look at some of my pictures, right. yeah, you you saw me. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't really know, well, know I was you. Crazy. Really, <laughs> I only would see you like in the music building, yeah. and maybe like at Forum or something like that. Yeah, because I wouldn't be hanging around. I was mm-hmm. working. I was gutting houses and working at Lowe's and going to school and helping like wow. fix up my house. Right. And so it's uh. You had a lot going on. Yeah. It, it would be very colored. On. Yeah. Yeah. To. So nine, nineteen, eight, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two was y'all just like trying to get back to normal after mm-hmm. Katrina. So, yeah, it was rough. Mm. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're doing really well for yourself now. And you know what? It's funny because sometimes, like, when I get in my super ambitious modes, I think, like, man, what were you doing when you were, like, 18, 19, 20? Like, how are you not this ambitious? And then I remember, oh, I was just trying to get back to zero. Like, mm-hmm. just trying to get back to even with my mom helping her with her house and my dad with his house and my grandmother with her house and then me with school and work and just trying to, you know, I was wondering like, why weren't you thinking about these things that you're thinking about now? And mm-hmm. it made sense because it was Katrina, post-Katrina life. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure at the time, just knowing the little bit that I knew about you, you were most likely doing better than what you think you were doing. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, I was at a very, I, don't, I only realized now as an adult that I was in a very, um, I was traumatized. Still, everybody mm-hmm. in the city is traumatized. That's really why you see a lot of these problems today in New Orleans, because mm-hmm. you're dealing with a people full of traumatized, a city full of traumatized people who have not gotten help. Mm-hmm. And that was just a fact. I mean... What do you think about... Last um, episode, I talked about gentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see it. I'm from Baton Rouge, but I went to Loyola. Mm-hmm. So just those four years that I was here, I now claim New Orleans as home, as one of my home cities. Um, But being born, raised in New Orleans, um, how have you seen a difference in New Orleans um, since Katrina? It's definitely changing. It's definitely becoming more uh, affluent, uh, more white. Um, There's also been a lot of Hispanic people. The Hispanic population has grown since Katrina, which... You know, I, I, I mean, I think it's awesome that not gentrification. I love that just probably because I just came from South mm-hmm. America, but I love that we have a large Hispanic community here because mm-hmm. um, that's what New Orleans has always been about is just having a large, diverse mm-hmm. mixture. It's a poor city. So right. it's always been black, white, Spanish, French, African, Creole, English. With a whole bunch of us. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's the only thing about gentrification because, you know, change is inevitable. Right. And we live in a capitalistic society. And that's one of the main reasons that change is inevitable in our, like, right in front of our our face. Because if people can make a dollar, then they will every time. I mean, you would too. Everybody, almost Mm -hmm. every time. If they can make a dollar, they will. True, true, true. Now, you do have good people in this world who can make a dollar, but they know how to do it in a way that, are they would make less of that dollar because they want to do it in a way that isn't going to harm people as much. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about people who are into real estate, it's just not the way they think. And so gentrification is just a part of our American like cycle. Like This part is going to be an old rundown, and then one day, because it's cheap, somebody's going to turn it into new. And mm-hmm. then it's, it's going to be new, and it's going to get run down. And then one day after it gets run down, somebody's going to buy into it and turn it back into new. Mm-hmm. And so it's inevitable. 
I wish there was a way that we could make sure that New Orleans doesn't lose its culture, Amen. its freeness. Amen. It's, it's, I mean, literally, I didn't know till after Katrina that this is the most different place in the United States. There's nowhere like, yes. probably in the world, there's nowhere like New Orleans. Mm -hmm. They call it the northernmost point of the Caribbean because it's just like down there. Like mm -hmm. it's free. Like, and when I say free, it's funny to say that because Louisiana is the prison capital of the world, mm -hmm. but it's free as far as like you don't feel like you can just, you know, do what you want, I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better word. Do what you want. But it's, uh, I think gentrification is horrible because it puts some people out on the street, but it's also inevitable. And I wish there was something prettier, mm -hmm. a way to, for it to go. Um, but it's happening. Yeah. I'm I, living in a gentrified situation right now. But it's very nice. Oh, of course. Gentrification is beautiful. Yeah, it is. But like... I it's was ugly. It it is. I was and telling illegal in some cases. It's it is good because change is good, growth is good. But as you were saying, I just hope New Orleans just don't lose that beat. Like Yeah, exactly. You know? And what you said just now, change, not only is it change is good, but aside from good, like it's almost like they don't even need to have a word for change because it's constant. Mm -hmm. And they, those are oxymorons. Mm -hmm. Change is constant, but it is. It's it, like that's what that's what it is. Change mm -hmm. is just always happening. Yeah. So we don't even need to even say the word change because it's it's just the norm. It's consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, as an author, what's your favorite part about writing a book? Figuring out the puzzle. So I have the idea in my head. So like this book, it's funny too. So like you said, inspiration. I interviewed this lady named Dr. Jian Ko. Mm -hmm. She's a cellist from, I want to say Korea, somewhere in Asia. Oh, I'm cool. interviewing her live on a TV show. Cool. She's telling me her story about how she became a cellist. Her parents didn't want her to be a cellist. They wanted her to do something else. And during this live interview on TV, mm -hmm. I'm the host. I'm interviewing her. Uh -huh. I get the idea. Oh, a book about a kid in New Orleans who wants to play his trumpet, but his mama can't stand the noise. Da, 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 da. Just like, it just Ding. popped in my head. So I went, and then the next day I was going to Baton Rouge on a foot on the bus. And I wrote the whole story down. Mm -hmm. But as I'm writing it, the fav my favorite part is just figuring out... Two of my books are rhyming books. Mm -hmm. All four of them include rhyme. But like just the puzzle, like how do I make this work? How do I use the right words? And then when you use rhyme, it adds another layer because you have to rhyme and stay on a certain beat. You got to use certain words. And so it's like, that's my favorite part, the challenge. Um, that's my favorite part of writing. My favorite part of being an author is interacting with kids and feeling like, even if I didn't, I like, like just like shifted their mind a little bit or made them think about something that they didn't ever think about. Or just like when I say something and I see it connect, that's my favorite part of being an author. Hmm. That's interesting. Because I never really saw myself as a writer until I got to law school and I was able to really write things down logically. Mm -hmm. um, and as you were saying, like the process of going from start to end, and then like even just like, being able to explain something to someone and seeing the light switch go exactly. off, and especially a kid mm -hmm. is amazing. And I have a little, I call him my little nephew, but he's really my little cousin. And he's just turned four years old. Mm -hmm. And just being with him right now and 
seeing him learn new things, how to read is really amazing. And knowing mm-hmm. that you are part, you are a part of that child's life, mm-hmm. teaching them something else that they're going to take and then grow change into this bigger person who's going to affect something somewhere mm-hmm. else in the world is truly, truly amazing. I mean, it's all connected. My niece told me the other day that she was thankful that she had an uncle that pushes her to do things that she doesn't want to do. Aww. And first of all, it made me cry. But secondly, it uh, just goes to show you that every single thing that you do, every I think that some of the things I do with them don't matter. Mm-hmm. All of it matters. But most, the most important thing that matters, though, is for you as a role model. You can right. tell them all you want, but you have to live it. That's how they they learn through mm-hmm. what they see. Right. Um, so your niece and nephew, mm-hmm. so do you draw from them, any of your characters? My, so not, no, not so much draw from them, but I try now to create things that, so like my niece is 10 now. And so she's going into a different world. It's like picture books is not really her thing. Mm-hmm. And when I think about like, man, this world is really trying to mold my niece into what they want her to be. Mm-hmm. So MTV, the radio, uh, just magazines, fat food, every, everything. It's just being thrown at her every day. She's not in my arms anymore. Mm-hmm. She's not just being impacted by me. Friends, just society, being right. a woman, what does that mean? And all of those things. And so now I just, I don't draw inspiration from her, but I, I want to create characters that she will look up to and mm. want to be like. And so instead of want to be like Beyonce and Nicki Minaj to read this book about this awesome, you know, scientist, mm-hmm. archaeologist, fashionista. Right. You know, who drives a fire truck. Who drives a fire truck, <laughs> but on the weekends drives motorbikes. And goes mudding. Right. <laughs> with with her pig. Exactly. And so so not so much inspiration from them, but like inspiration for them. That's mm-hmm. what I want to give to them. Right. Um, something else I I should have known, but what I guess became real was a child's imagination mm-hmm. and how you can really influence this child's mind. And children are so fascinating. My little nephew, he's in love with dinosaurs and like every. I had wallpaper with dinosaurs. Yo, T Rex, that's his dude. Like (laughs) he can spot a T Rex like miles away. Like his little imagination is amazing, and that's one thing that I'm learning to appreciate. Just they are little kids, but they're so impressionable. Man, I remember my sister told me. My niece would be like, um, every time she says something, this is a cup, right, mommy? This oh. is a door, right, mommy? Mm-hmm. Right, right? She was like, and she called me crying. Mm-hmm. And she was like, dog, anything, like, she'll believe anything I tell her. Aww. And you really are molding them. Right. Like, up until a certain point. Because mm-hmm. then the world starts molding them also, and it's right. not just you. But yeah, I mean, you're doing that. And for if you have your own children, like, that's literally you. Like, that's like reincarnation. That is your DNA. That is a copy of you. So much responsibility. No, yeah. thank you. That's why I have nieces and nephews. Yep, right? Yeah. Um, so where do you see yourself, your books, in, let's say, five years from now? So five years. So next year, I'm going to have a bestseller um, for okay. sure. Can't I'm going to do a, I'm going on a book tour just to kind of like expand my 
my base. Mm-hmm. But let's say five years, uh, I think I'll have probably a couple novels written. One or two of my novels being turned into a movie. Definitely a bestseller in children's books. Mm-hmm. And I think that my company will be the number one um, publisher for child for literature written by children, children's mm-hmm. literature. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I, I think that's what I'll be doing. I also will probably be getting. I want to teach. Okay. At a collegiate level. So, but I don't know what yet. Maybe philosophy. I, I, and so another thing is that I'm also writing books, um, like philosophical books for children to like ah. expand their minds when they're young. Yeah. So I have that division. I have my novels and then I'll have my picture books about New Orleans and mm-hmm. then my picture books about just regular stuff. So yeah. I got a bunch of like categories for my books that I hope to, uh, not hope to, but that I'm going to do. Yeah, multi-genre author. And I want to own everything. So, like, I, I self-published all of my books. Okay. One of them was purchased by a publishing company, mm-hmm. and which is fine. It's great, but it's, like, it's not in my control. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I just take a cue from all of the entrepreneurs. Anybody who's super successful, they own them. They right. own their stuff. Right. And it's better just to be controlling your own fate, so... Hopefully, I'll just be a, sitting right here enjoying myself. Yeah, who's who's an author you look up to? Oh man, as far as like writing, man, I really would love to. Uh, I mean, one Dr. Seuss, like Dr. Seuss, five. He's, oh, he's I got a book right now. The man is Seuss like. It's called The Upside Down Backwards World. Okay, but it's like you know how Dr. Seuss's books are. Very, like seemingly silly, but also have like a wisdom, but but there a very small undertone of like truth in them. Yes, a lot of wisdom. Yeah, but like they'll be about real things, mm-hmm. like abortion, war, like drug habits. Like his mm-hmm. books will be about that, and you not realize it. But my book, The Upside Down Backwards World, is like written in a silly, playful tone, but mm-hmm. it's like about those things, about money, about politicians, mm-hmm. about food, about media. Um, I'm going to tell you some of it when we leave. Okay. When we finish. Okay. Uh, but then also, uh, Shel Silverstein. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's just amazing. The, like that, the, about the, the giving sidewalk, tree, right? where yeah. the sidewalk ends. Yeah. I mean, the giving tree, I cry when I read it every time. And uh, that's something else Katrina did to me. Cry more now. You, like movies. Oh. I never cried at movies. You're in your feelings all the time? Never in my feelings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you just uh, feel your I, feelings. I think I'm more empathetic. Okay. You know what's a really good movie? What? Uh, Notebook. No, 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 and it's a good movie if you haven't, if the kids haven't seen it. Um, God, all the feelings one, yeah, emotions. I need to see. Yeah, it's really great idea. I heard them on NPR. It's like it's really cute. But uh, Uh, Shel Silverstein, I like Emily Dickinson. I love uh, a lot of rappers. Man, Uh, Amy Winehouse, amazing, just amazing writer. Love Amy Winehouse. Yeah, love Eminem. Love Jay Z. Love Nas, love Lupe Fiasco, love Lauren Hill. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those people, I think, are on a different level than some of your favorite writers and authors. Yes. Um, Alan Watts, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. I mean, yeah, I love all of those writers. I'm not like a big literature person, but mm-hmm. the stuff I've read, Bill Bryson, uh, you know, the Alchemist, whoever wrote that. Yeah, that right? Yeah. Wow. Um, any local authors? 
my aunt Denise, Denise McConduit, okay. Mitchell Crusto, my uncle. You uh -huh. know Mitch? Did no. you go to Loyola? Mitch Crusto. He's a professor. He's still there. No. Anyway, he wrote a book. I just finished reading it, actually. What did he, um, what did he teach? Um, I don't know. But okay. so those are my family members. <laughs> uh, local authors. I love uh, what Jeanette Downing does. She's a children's author. She's been doing it for a long time. She's just, you know, good at what she does. I, 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 I look up to her a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's this other lady who just did this book. Uh, I think her name's Marty Dumas. Okay. She did, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it's like Jaden or something, Toussaint, something. I forgot, but it's, it looks like a very cool book. I want to read that. Oh, I, I actually heard her read it, but it's like a young adult type book. Okay. Um, locally, yeah. Sorry, local authors. I know we all out here. Carnell yeah. Landry, shout out to you. Mm -hmm. I, get I know. My hustle I from him. I always ask people to name people, and I feel bad because, like, you start naming people, and it's like, wait a minute, I forgot such and such. So I'm yeah. sorry. No, that's fine. It's just local. It's not even that. It's just I don't. Uh, I I don't like to read nonfiction, and so like I read a lot of. I mean, I like to read nonfiction. Mm -hmm. I don't like to read fiction too much. And so, I don't know. I just like to read like real, like proven stuff. I right. like to know before True. I read it that mm -hmm. I'm going to like it, which is kind of sucky, but whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's it. Oh. Local author wise, I think. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, I don't really, I'm trying to think, do I know any local authors? I, I think I was telling you earlier about being in the French market and I saw this lady um, she had a really cute children's book, but I can't remember her name. I don't know. There I go. Yeah, there's so many dope people here. Oh, yeah. New Orleans. I mean, you got the most, some of the most talented people in the world within a block. I mean, I mean, just the musicians. Like, this, I, going to the places I've been, never seen as much music as you see in New Orleans. I mean, just like, you know, homeless people just play the saxophone better than, mm. you know, people in a symphony. Right. I mean, look at the art. Look at the food. Look at the hustle that people. You know, we were in one of the most oppressed uh, governments with mm -hmm. the most corruption in the United States, and you still see people flourish and just be creative and make things happen. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we filled with talented, great people, nice people. So that's why I like living here. It's just nice, it's relaxed, tranquilo. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? It means chill. Chill. Tranquil. Relax. Tranquilo. Oh, tranquilo. was that a real Spanish word? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's tranquilo or... Tra no, it's tranquilo. Tranquilo. Si, señora. Tequila, tranquilo. Yeah. Ah, I see. Like, chill out with the, chill out with the tequila. <laughs> tranquilo, tequila. No. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> so, I guess uh, this is going to be a, a weird question, mm -hmm. but after we finish... Polly. Oh, no. Sorry. There's something else. Polly? <laughs> I'm joking. No, Keep I'm interested. No, 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 Polly. Okay. No. So after, <laughs> after we finish, after um, I turn off the recording, what are you up to for today? <sighs> well, I'm going to go get a little inspired. So one, actually, I have to set up a book signing and stuff for this. The little girl who wrote the book, Seasons, oh, Anna cool. Barecki, my latest write student. I met with her dad yesterday. Man, I'm not a parent, but because I love my niece and my nephew so much, I know how it feels to kind of be a parent. And mm -hmm. just the feeling. He was so proud, man. Aww. So proud. He saw his daughter's imagine. book on. His daughter is five. She has a book on wow. Amazon. 
Yeah. So I'm going to uh, do my best to get her on the were news you, and were stuff. Were you in your feelings? I mean, were you feeling I was, your feelings? I was not necessarily in my feelings, but I I, I feel them. I, I yeah. know how it feels to be proud of your yeah. child. Um, so I'm going to try to set up some media for her. I'm going to audition for this part. I'm up for a role in this short film called Plaquemine. So I have to audition in front of this lady who I auditioned auditioned in front of a lot who I never, ever get casted Mm -hmm. for. I get casted for commercials, but not anything with lines. Alex, like, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're doing so much. Like, you said... But it's all stuff that's, like, not... uh, What's the word? Like, Like, not... It's not, like, pressing... Okay. So like I write. <laughs> okay, ooh. Well, after I write it, it's being sold. It's not like up to me. Yeah. I mean, I do do a lot of the business part, but and then like acting, it's like they ask me to audition, I go, I do my audition. If I get it, I get it. I might do it for two or three days and then I get paid for months, you know. Yeah. And So, um, yeah. is it a movie or Yeah, it's a movie. It's a short film. It's going to be shot down here called Plaquemines. I'm auditioning for the son of a fisherman who, like, he's telling his dad, like, hey, we need to stop. It's cool. Over. After the recording, you're going to have to do some lines for me. Oh, I, I will. That's, that's what cool. I'm going to be doing today. That's really. cool. That's cool. Um, how did you get into acting? I used to work at Harris, and my friend was in charge of working with, you know, Hollywood South was burgeoning at that time. So mm-hmm. it was like eight years ago. And my friend was in charge of connecting the movies with Harris, and they would, like, do everything through her. And she started showing me how much money people were paying to film at Harris. And I was like, dang. So I started looking and looking and looking to see how much money was being spent and made in Hollywood South. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, billion dollars or whatever. And I was like, man, I just need to give me a little slice of that. Yeah. Like, I don't even need a lot. I'm, I'm working at Harris. I got my books. I got my job. I got this. Mm-hmm. I just need a little slice. Just a little I get a little slice. And so I started, it's funny, because I started thinking about different ways that I could get it. And um, one day at a coffee shop, I met these guys. They were working on some stuff. Wound wound up a a year later, one of those guys illustrated a book for me. Mm -hmm. The other guy got me working on film crews. And then I started learning about acting. Then I got an agent. I just, I asked somebody about an agent. They gave me their agent. This guy named Paul Sanchez. Shout out to Paul Sanchez. Dude helps me out all the time. What's up? Got an agent. First three auditions, booked them. Boom. Boom. All Just commercials, like but like one was a feature mm-hmm. with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning cool. for DirecTV. That's cool. And I got paid a lot. And yeah. So how weird is that, seeing yourself on TV? I've never seen any of the commercials I've done except for the DirecTV one. And it was weird because I was a joke in the commercial, so I have, I dr- I'm dressed up like weird. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, but I see myself on TV doing interviews and stuff. I mean, I, I, it's... Part of the ego, I love it. I love seeing myself on TV because I know that there's somebody, some little kid at home, like, oh, like, dang, this dude wrote a book. I just saw him the other day. Oh, look at this dude. He's 24 years old. I was 24 and I wrote my first book, or whatever, 23 or whatever. And uh, yeah, so I like it. I mean, that's when I thought. Honestly, I I might do it for that. I don't know. I Mm. like being in the media. I like inspiring people to know that they could do what they want to do and because mm-hmm. yeah. you were in music industry studies mm-hmm. um you said you were also another major what was your other major not marketing marketing that's my, that's my major yeah so what did you want to do with that 
I didn't know what I, when I started going to college, I just, I knew I wanted to be in business. I knew I wanted to own my own business. Um, marketing was probably just the most appealing to me out of all the other categories. Definitely not accounting, definitely not, I don't know, sales. Is there even a major for sales? I don't know. I have no idea. International business was cool. I was mm-hmm. thinking about that. Um, I don't know why I didn't go international business, which that I, now that I'm grown, I could see that would be just as appealing. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy I went into just marketing because it gave me the opportunity to understand how to communicate to potential buyers mm-hmm. and to like how to communicate to the world um, what you want to get out in a way that is concise, clear, effective, clever, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't know what I wanted to do, but marketing is everything. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I think you've done well. You you have the the little who that who did it. Mm-hmm. What are the other names of your books? Snowballs for all, thorn in my horn, and then uh, one with the pelicans was Peter and the pelican. But that's like a special. You know, it's not for it's for sale, but it's not like you know open to the public type. Of Why thing. not? That's selfish. Well, they bought it, so who did pelicans and uh, Acme Truck Liners? They wanted their sponsors. Oh. That's so cool. How how did that happen? Um, you know, New Orleans. You know, knew a dude that worked for the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. His job is like community relations. One of their sponsors wanted to do a reading thing. And it's not just that I knew him. It's also that I was doing my thing as an author. He knew about me. He said, hey, you want to do this? Did it. I mean, one of the fastest, easiest, seamless business deals I ever did in my life. Nice. I loved it. They were like, hey, we want you to do this. I was like, okay. The next day, this is how much it's going to cost. They were like, fine, send you a check tomorrow. What? Sent the check. Got it the same. Went, got the check when they said I was going to get the uh-huh. check. Not Cashed like, the check. And not like, I'm going to postmark this. Oh, yeah, no, no. Wow. The biggest deal I ever up. did in my life. Most The biggest check ever, biggest check anybody ever written for me in my life. I still am in awe. I need to make sure I send these people a thank you today. Wow. Yeah, that is was, so nice. It was really nice. Nice. <laughs> it was really nice. So the first book was published in 2010. It's 2015, five years. Mm-hmm. It's been short, but it mm-hmm. seems so long. What has been the best moment as a young author? <sighs> best moment as a young author. And like, I guess when when it like clicked, like, you know what? This is, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I'll tell you what. It's sad. Just because I think because I went to business school and mm-hmm. I'm an entrepreneur, but Unfortunately, like for the last four years, I haven't, I didn't consider myself an author. I had all these other things that I wanted to do. I started a crowdfunding platform called Fundat. I told you I was in the music industry. So I, at one point I was managing a rapper, manager, producer. So I was always trying to do something else. But the books and they just kept, the appreciation and the money just kept coming in. If I put a little effort in I would always get like double the Mm -hmm. return and it's usually with everything else is not like that like you get out what you put in Mm -hmm. but with this it's like I'll put in a little bit and I will get out like so much and so really not until this summer when I did the thing with the pelicans and them and I was like okay okay so obviously what I'm supposed to be doing and now I'm an author like I'll say I used to not say that um but that wasn't the best moment. I would say probably the best moment was when I got my books. <laughs> when I, my first book, The Little Who That Who Didn't, because I had never written a book before. I didn't know anything about it. And I said, Psh, about to learn everything about self-publishing, publishing, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And when the mailman knocked on my door and I opened up the books and my mom was there and it was just, Aww. yeah, it was a great feeling. That was a good one. 
being top uh, 40 under 40 for Gambit was nice recognition. Nice. And then when I first did write my writing program at mm-hmm. Tech Academy, and I had like 100 third graders who all wrote books and illustrated books. And at the end of it, that was a great feeling. Yeah, yeah I can imagine that. Okay, so for this segment, I am giving you a plane ticket, and you can go anywhere in the world. You can connect with anyone in the world, or bring whomever you want with you to wherever you want in the world. You're connecting with this person, sharing yourself, and sharing your books. Who would that person be? Well, first of all, I would bring my niece with me and my nephew, if possible, just so that I can expand their minds. That's the minds I'm responsible for. Um, And then, unfortunately, it's like the books that I've written so far, they're kind of like surface level topic type stuff. And the stuff that I really would want to share with people is more of the philosophical stuff that I've written. Um, So I would love to actually like go and talk to some uh, Buddhists and some Taoists mm. and talk to them about like what it's like man you just gave me an idea that's what I'm gonna do mm-hmm. what it's like to like instill like I learned a lot from Buddhism and Taoism and so I want to give that those tools that I learned from Buddhism and Taoism to children mm-hmm. and so I would love to talk to some like Buddhists and some Taoists about how I can impact children's mind. How can I put that into my writing yeah. and like infiltrate their mind before MTV and BT? Right, do it. right. Um, when I was living in South Korea, I went to a Buddhist um, temple, and we did temple night stay, where you go sleep with the um, with the monks, and then Fire. wake up like super early, like before the sun, um, the, before the sun rises, and you pray. We went to the beach, and it's just like, wow. We went all the way to the top of this mountain, and at the top of the mountain was this waterfall. And so I'm sitting there with Buddhist monks just enjoying nature, and it was like the most, I said it earlier, it just the rejuvenation mm-hmm. and the ideas. And then like we went back and then made all these beads and prayed and whatnot. But that will be amazing. Yeah, I'm going to do that now. I'm probably going to Thailand next year now for sure. That will be amazing. Next year I'm going to make, make some money and then at the end of the year I'm going to do something like that. Just sell another book to the Pelicans. Yeah. Or to the Saints, hello. Tell me about it. Saints, who that? The little who that who didn't? Don't even need to get into it. <sighs> Trust me, I'll try it. Really? Come on now. Um, well, this has been really amazing. This has been really fun. Um, <laughs> Definitely fun. Yeah. I, well, thank you. I, I try to make it as comfortable as possible, which is another reason why I come to you. I there travel you to you. Um, where else can we find you? Facebook, Alex McConduit. Instagram, Alexander, Mc, Alexander Brian McConduit. Now on Snapchat. Oh gosh, oh gosh. So now we okay, y'all. I guess I'm gonna have to get a Snapchat. Um, Alex is on Snapchat and he's making me what's it called? A Snapchat story? I don't know. I don't know. We're doing a Snapchat. What's the name of the podcast? Connected the podcast. Connected the podcast. We live right here. What's up? Hi, connect with me. There you go. Um, so oh Oh, gosh. So uh, Instagram, now on uh, Snapchat, who dat, who didn't. Um, bigbootbooks.com is my website. Find me on Amazon. Okay. Periscope. 
all of that. All of it. Snapchat. Twitter. I can't believe I'm on Snapchat now. Twitter. Who did? Who didn't? Yeah. Okay. I don't use Twitter anymore. But can we find any of your books in local markets? Uh huh. Local bookstores, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. Uh, but like, yeah, I used to do. I haven't been doing the actual like the Fred Street Market or the Harrison Market anymore. But You've been traveling. Yeah, I will. But yes, yeah, soon to come. Belize. Yeah. You going to? Yeah, Belize. Oh, gosh. Can't wait. I'm gonna be in your suitcase. Just an no extra. Problem. Yeah, I, I think we. I have one I can fit you in. Okay, cool. Um, so this, yeah, this has been really awesome. I'm so proud of you, Alex. Thank you. I'm proud of you too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, connectors. Christmas, the holidays, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, it is coming up. Gift giving time is here. If you have children, if you don't have children, if you just want to you know, read a children's book, I think you should connect with Alex McConduit. You know where to connect with me. You know what I always say. I travel the world. I want to connect with you. So if you want to be a part of Connect with the Podcast, you know what to do. Hit me up. I'll be there. All right, y'all. I'm out. Peace. Peace. That was awesome. Perfecto.